Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hendrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Welcome to episode 26 for Truth Transistor Radio. Uh, This is Bible Study Part 3, and I'll be talking about the scattering and renewing of the nations. So we'll be looking at the Tower of Babel, which happened a few hundred years after the flood, which is what we discussed last in the last episode. And then we'll be talking about God's plan for the nations and his kingdom on earth. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, First of all, I'd like to promote some podcasters and, um, you know, uh, whether they are conspiracy people or apologetics, they are friends. These are all people I know. Or, well, a couple of these I haven't met in person but I met through Canary Cry Community, which is a message board. Um, and I'll just start by talking about that. Um, if you are familiar, I would recommend uh, there's two podcasts, Canary Cry News Talk and Canary Cry, uh, what's the other one called? Canary Cry Podcast, I guess. <coughs> I can't remember uh, what... <laughs> the other one's called uh, Canary Cry Radio is what the other one's called and the same guy uh, Gons it's got Gazel, Basil and Gons do that uh, podcast but Gons did a documentary or a series of documentaries called Face Like the Sun uh, or the channel is called Face Like the Sun and the documentary is called Age of Deceit and I think there's two or three of those Um, I would recommend getting those. But anyway, they have a pretty big um, podcast that is from a Christian perspective, but they deal with a lot of conspiracy stuff. And they created a message board revolved around it. And I've had the opportunity to meet some people in person in my area, the Dallas area. But also, uh, I've had conversations with people just through the messenger, you know, and topic the message board and have met um, well through correspondence um, they've referred me to their podcasts so I consider them friends even though I've never met them in person (laughs) so um, so yeah let me start with a couple that I met in person from Canary Cry News Talk and or I don't know if they get on there anymore, but uh, anyway, I still hang out with them regularly. And they have a, a podcast called Soul Tie Convos, and I've actually been a guest on there a couple times. And they have great conversations. Um, they're, con- they're Christians, they're conservatives, but not necessarily Republican. And they, um, they're mixed a mixed couple uh He's white, she's black, and so they come at it from, sometimes they use that, but oftentimes it has nothing to do with the topic at hand. Um, But, yeah, it's a really good show. I would recommend it. I know it's on, they only have a few episodes because they're busy, but um, I would check it out. I've, I've listened to it on Spotify, and I'm not sure where else you can find them, but they're called Soul Tie convos um i was in two episodes uh one was um i guess you could say we talked about the paul is dead uh conspiracy which is was just a fun topic but more in depth we got into stuff about the entertainment industry being um controlled by the illuminati or whatever and how they use entertainment to 
um, you know, to to manipulate us, <laughs> you know, predictive programming and uh, mind control and subliminal messaging and all that stuff, and how they use these celebrities to, um, you know, to sort of uh, <clears throat> push an agenda, right? <clears throat> because they become idols to people. And so they figure that's a great way to do it. But anyway, we, we discussed, we got into a lot of stuff, but it started out with the Paul is Dead thing and what we thought of that. And then the next time I was on with him, it was called White Guilt. <clears throat> and we discussed, you know, kind of the political correctness and the uh, <clears throat> critical race theory and all of that stuff and, and even her thoughts about it. And, and I think... Uh, it's very interesting um, conversation, and they discuss other things such as education, public school education, and and I can't remember all the other things they've discussed on there. But um, there's some good episodes. I would check them out. Soul tie convos. <clears throat> so I'll leave a link at the bottom uh, as well. Um, and then um, another one. Now I haven't met this person in person but uh end times examined is the name of another one and he has some really good videos on youtube and i'm not sure if he has other uh places that he puts his stuff or not but uh youtube is a good one uh where, where i've seen all of his stuff i mean and he talks a lot about the conspiracy stuff but i think he gets to the root and the truth as opposed to disinformation and he's very balanced he has a biblical perspective and it's really really good so check out <clears throat> end times examined next is one that uh, I was messaging with through canary cry recently so I recently discovered this and I've already listened to all of them because there's only I don't know maybe 10 episodes and they're all under an hour or so um, but he's been putting them out. He's still putting new ones out. So it's called the Subtle Kane Podcast. S-U-B-T-L-E-C-A-I-N. One word. Podcast. And I'll once again, I'll leave a link below. <clears throat> and um, he has a very interesting perspective. Well, first of all, definitely he's a, you know from a Christian perspective. <clears throat> but he comes about comes at these things from a philosophical and uh, psychological standpoint and he does a lot of talk on propaganda and one of my favorite ones is how they use um, subliminal messaging for commercials and to get people to buy things and uh, it's very interesting um, and yeah I really enjoy listening to his he, he talks like a professor I, I think I mentioned this to him as well you know very uh, educational he's like a teacher and uh, yeah so I really enjoy the subtle cane podcast um, on YouTube so the rest of these I didn't meet on uh, I didn't meet on um, canary cry I'm, I met elsewhere uh, one called uh, on YouTube channel called Mr. Kent himself, which I met him about 20 years ago. He was directing. He's done some, you know, theater and, and film kind of things. And uh, I was in this one about a smoker, and most of the show was um, between uh, characters that were playing. Um, you know white blood cells versus nicotine cells or there were the villain was like the devil played by mr kent uh kent sama is his name um and he was kind of this you know melodramatic villain dressed like a devil and trying to tempt um these white blood cells with nicotine cells so it's kind of what's taking place inside the body of the main character, which I played. <clears throat> and um, sort of this fight. And, 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 you know, the nicotine cells are kind of like drugs. So once they touch them, they are, like, stoned. And um, But 
the good guy who leads the white blood cells, he's kind of like telling them to stay away from temptation and all this stuff. And he, um, yeah, so he, uh, he's kind of like the leader. And when they're doing well, he gets them to exercise and push. And that's when the main character is kind of uh, not smoking and in better shape. But then when he picks a cigarette back up again, it's like one of them uh, attack, you know, attaches themselves to nicotine and they, they want it. And, yeah, so it's really, and it's really good. I think it's on his YouTube channel, which is called Mr. Kent himself. You can probably find it. It's called Joseph Carcinogenic, I think. Um, I can't remember if that's the title of it, but I think it's in his list of videos. And you'll see me from 20 years ago looking like uh, <laughs> I have a kind of a fro, curly hair. It's when I had all my hair. And I was in my early 20s, mid-20s. So, yeah, if you want to look that up and find it, maybe I'll find that video and post the link of the video itself, but also his, the name of his uh, YouTube channel. Um, another YouTube channel... Uh, is called cross politic that's all one word Christians they come from a Calvinist perspective they're very Republican I don't really agree with uh, everything uh, but I think that they're good people um, one of them Gabe Ranch or Gabriel Ranch I don't know which one he goes by now I think it's I think he still goes by Gabe um, Gabe Ranch um, he was a friend of mine back in high school, so um, I actually saw him this past year when he came back to Dallas. Like now, they—I think they're based in Idaho, but I think they're—they're they're biblically sound, although coming from a very Calvinist, Presbyterian type uh, perspective. Um, so they talk a, a bit about that and apologetics, but they also talk about uh, politics. Thus, they're called cross politics and uh, I think they had anyway they're 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 conservative and I agree with a lot of their views I just think they're a little too apologetic for Republicans for my taste but they're good people you know I know Gabe I know he's a good guy he's a good Christian guy so um, if you are interested and I just because I disagree with a theology or or something doesn't mean that they're a heretic right i think that there's poly there's there's doctrines that are biblically based even if i disagree with them then there's doctrines that are definitely heretical but i don't think they're that they are heretical at all i i just think they're coming at it from that perspective so cross politic check them out um a couple more that i'm gonna uh job martin which uh, he went to my, well, my aunt and uncle and their family way back when went to the same church as he, he did. And he spoke at our youth group back in the 90s. And also, uh, just a few months ago, or no, uh, I'm getting him mixed up with somebody else. Next month, he's going to speak at my church. And uh, <clears throat> again, but this is for a uh, coffee house. I call it a What is Truth coffee house that I started at my church. Um, it's like a, we discuss apologetics and, and any topics, uh, anything that's in our culture, that how we look at it from a Christian perspective and stuff. And every month we have a topic. Well, my mom got a hold of him, and he agreed to come speak at our February uh, event. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But he uh, has a website called theevolutionofacreationist.com, which I, I would suggest looking up. Um, he has a book by that same title. So he does a lot about creation. And uh, so I, I recommend looking up that website. looks like it has a lot on it um, and uh, good information. Uh, another couple Ray Bolin and Sue Bolin uh, Ray and Sue Bolin <laughs> uh, run a ministry or they're in a ministry I don't know if they run it or not I think they are close to the 
to the top, but it's called Probe Ministries, and you can find their website at probe.org. My parents knew them in the 80s from church. I didn't know them back then, but I met their son first, or two of their sons, both of their sons, <laughs> at a college group uh, at a different church than I go to now, or we, my family went to at the time. But it was the same church that we went to in the 80s. <clears throat> and I met their son there and found out he was he had written books and, and things and about creation as well. Um, and we've had both of them on two separate months. We had both of them as guests. Um, Ray Bolin spoke about um, environmentalism from a biblical perspective and that was quite kind of interesting uh, he's pretty much one of the few Christians discussing that topic um, especially coming from a conservative side of things and how we should uh, you know take care of things but he also discusses how the political left might um, use that in a bad way right um, they might mix in lies and things, but um, he talks about it from how should we as Christians um, that we could do a better job of taking care of, of the earth. and Because, and, you know, biblically speaking, um, you know, God said to subdue and rule over the earth, right? And so it's there for our benefit. So the, you know, the, the left-wing view of environmentalism is that you know basically that we are the evil and we can't use it for our own benefit <laughs> uh, but he's saying you know we're supposed to subdue and rule but also take care of it um, th that was Ray Boland's perspective and I think that was good and then Sue Boland talked about the LGBT plus stuff and how we should view that from a Christian perspective and I thought she was very balanced because obviously as a Christian you know, she believes it's a sin, but she also believes there's a way to lovingly um, talk about those things. And uh, I thought it was really good. So, um, so yeah, check out Probe Ministries or probe.org um, to see what they're all about. So uh, that's all I had on the top of my head right now as far as... Um, you know, podcasts or YouTube channels or books or websites. <laughs> and these are people that I've met um, or have corresponded with on the Canary Cry community. So check those out. I just thought I would t spend a few minutes promoting some friends. And uh, just for a couple minutes real quick, I'll talk about the NFL playoffs, which is coming up. I used to do comedic bits here, but I've run out of material or stuff. That, I mean, I guess I could take more clips from other people, but I don't know. I kind of felt guilty about that. But I'll talk about the NFL playoffs for a minute. And my only question is, how, how has Roger Goodell scripted it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't know if it's really rigged or not, but, uh, you know, I enjoy sports, but... Um, I understand more and more as I get older how they use that as well as other entertainment to distract us and sometimes use the celebrity and their power, their, you know, their fame to push propaganda. So, um, having said that, I don't think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, anyway, so on to the topic at hand. Now, in the last episode, we discussed how God judged the world with a flood. And after the flood, there was Noah and his family. And they had children, and their children had children, and their children, you know, anything that you would expect. And the first time you see another kingdom, in fact, in the Bible, because in in, before the flood, there's really no uh, discussion about a kingdom. It does, it does say that Cain... Uh, dwelt in a city called Nod, but he um, 
you know, or, or created the city or whatever. So it talks about a city, but it doesn't really get into details about the pre-flood politics and, you know, nations and all that stuff, if there were different nations. Um, but it, for the first time in the Bible, it, it, it starts talking about it here in Genesis chapter 11, and I'll just start reading. And there's some noise in the background you might hear. Um, I've got a heater on. I've got my uh, dishwasher running. So hopefully you can fight through that. All right, Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, remember, one of God's commandments at, for Adam and Eve, and then again for Noah and his family, Noah and his wife, and or his children, sorry, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I don't know if I mentioned that in the previous videos, but you can see, read that for yourself. That was in the creation story, and then again, after the flood, he said the same thing to Noah and his family. And so, God wanted people to spread out and fill the earth, but they didn't want to be spread out. You know, here it says, um, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Um, now, I, I was thinking about this. Have you ever noticed that in, you know, in the last century or so, cities have been getting bigger and more and more people are moving to urban areas and inner cities. Less and less people are out in the farm, you know, doing farming and, and things. Um, have you ever noticed that most crime happens in big cities? And a lot of the economic problems happen in big cities. Also in big cities, people tend to be more uh, reliant on government to help them with things. People out in the country want to be left alone. They tend to want more hard work, right? They don't like a lot of um, government uh, policies. They like to be left alone. So thus, uh, small town people and rural areas tend to be more conservative. They want less government in their life. Inner city people tend to be more liberal. Now, this is just a generalization. It's not always the case. But um, you might notice that, at least in American politics. Um, but I think the corruption in inner cities is for, you know, I think God knew that it's better for people to live in small communities rather than big cities and, and things. And... Um, and also, I don't know that it's it was ever God's intention for world peoples to create such powerful empires and 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 uh, nations and you know having a powerful king and all this stuff, but rather to have tiny little um, communities with elders, you know, leaders and um, and things like that, and thus nobody gets too powerful or big you just have you know millions and millions of small communities rather than 300 powerful nations <laughs> you know what I mean anyway I kind of got sidetracked there but um, I just thought that was interesting I was thinking about that about how God wanted us to fill the earth and they wanted to to be united and come together and they didn't want to be dispersed verse 5 and the Lord came down to the city to down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built and the Lord said behold they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them I'm not exactly sure what he means, except 
um, the bigger an empire gets, and maybe this is what he's saying, is they tend to take more and more control and power and enslavement and persecute and, and all of that, more corruption. Um, so then in verse 7, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth so as you can see there's this one world government that was building a one world kingdom that was building at the time and there was nothing to divide them they were all from you know just I, I think this was about 600 years after the flood five six hundred years something like that and you know so there was pretty much one culture and one language at the time I'm sure that there was infighting like it's a natural like even back with Cain and Abel you know the first two brothers <laughs> born of the first parents one brother killed the other one so I'm sure that there was fighting and, and, and things going on. But it talks about this guy Nimrod uh, in the previous chapter, actually, um, who became a mighty hunter before the Lord. And I realized just this past year that it never says that Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. It talks about him in chapter 10, and then it, you know chapter 11 it starts talking about how they said... So um, a lot of times people, and even myself, had con you know Nimrod connected with the Tower of Babel. Um, so anyway, I thought that was interesting. That's one of those things, this is just an example how we need to always look at Scripture and not trust our own, um, what we think it says. What does it really say? You know, not that this is that important, Nimrod may have very well been involved in the Tower of Babel, but um, all it says is he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. So, um, but it's become tradition to associate him with that, and it's not necessarily wrong. But it's just one of those things where we need to look at Scripture first and not what we have heard elsewhere and what we have in our mind. So, God dispersed the nations, and then it gets into the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, one of the first big empires, or the I, th I would like to say the first major empire that we know about, whether it be in secular history or in the Bible, is Egypt. And, um, you know... Now, Egypt was a pagan nation. I mean, even in secular history, you read about their gods, and it's definitely not a Christian religion, right? Um, but there was a time, and we'll talk more about this in, in a future episode, about Israel. And, uh, you know, I'll talk about Israel in this episode, too, but I just wanted to mention how there was a time where God's people were enslaved by them. And if you look at the major empires, the major powers of this world, they've tended to be evil. Now, there's times where they are less evil, where they are more kind and there's some semblance of freedom. But for the most part, there's a lot of corruption in politics. Uh, you know, even the United States, there's <laughs> everybody knows there's corruption in politics. And so... Uh, so why is this, you know? Um, why is the kingdoms of this world tend towards corruption and evil? So first I want to talk about the, the kingdoms of this world and how they're kind of all connected in a sense, even though they're divided. Uh, Genesis, I mean, sorry, Daniel chapter 2. Uh, the king of ba Babylon has a dream, Nebuchadnezzar. And, and just to sum up this part, you know, he had these enchanters and sorcerers and things. And Nebuchadnezzar apparently couldn't remember his dream or else he was testing 
you know, them to see if, you know, I don't know. But he didn't tell them what the dream was. He just told them, you need to interpret my dream. Tell me what my dream is and interpret it or else I'll put you to death. Because he was, you know, he was mad. He was kind of frustrated, but he realized if they can't tell me this, then they're not real or they're not. And they couldn't, you know, they couldn't interpret it. But there was a prophet of God named Daniel called Belteshazzar in Babylon. Uh, but the Bible calls him Daniel. That was his Hebrew name. And he said that God can interpret dreams. And so God showed him what the dream was. And, uh, and this is what he said. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 says you saw O king and behold a great image this image mighty and exceeding brightness stood before you and its appearance was frightening the head of this image was fine gold its chest and arms of silver its middle and thighs and bronze its leg of iron its feet part partly of iron and partly of clay as you looked a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces then the iron the clay the bronze and silver and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth this was the dream now we tell the king its interpretation you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand has given, where, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens make you rule over them. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly potter's clay and part, partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God is made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Now, there's so much to get into here, but I, I mainly want to fo focus on the topic of, at hand, and that is that there, these kingdoms on this earth, um, you know, obviously it's, they're all one statue, right? They're all connected somehow, and yet they're, they fight each other, and one takes over the other as they go down the statue. And then the stone that comes out of nowhere, I believe, is Christ, and Christ will set up his millennial kingdom. Some people believe that was the church age or when Christ came the first time he set up his millennial kingdom. I believe that is his second coming. And that's when, you know, his people will uh, take over the earth. Now I'd like to go to uh, Luke uh, in the New Testament, Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse five uh, now in the context here this is when Jesus came to earth Jesus who was God the son of God the son S-O-N um, came 
you know, was born of man and he came to be the uh, savior of the world. And Satan, the devil, tempted him. Um, and this is the second temptation. It says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Now, first of all, what this verse shows is that Satan has been given the kingdoms of the world. Uh, he has somehow given, been, now God ultimately has, you know, the devil can't do anything without God's permission. And um, if you want to read the book of Job, you kind of get a sense of that, where Satan um, can't do anything to Job, who is God's man, you know, unless God allowed him to. Um, but he has given him authority over these nations of the world, the kingdoms of the world. And then he says, if you bow down to me, I will give you these things. And you probably heard of people saying that they sold their soul to the devil for fame, fortune, power, whatever. And I think that that's a real thing. And here he is doing it to Jesus. You know? So I, I'm, the main thing I wanted to point out was that the devil has power over these kingdoms. And I'll just quickly answer what Jesus, what will show what Jesus answered him. He said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Next I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. It says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now, who is perishing? Well, if you've read John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the perishing are the unbelievers. In their case, the God of this world, lowercase g, God, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, who is the God of this world? Now, it doesn't say it here, but I believe it's, it's the devil. It's Satan. You know, the same one that tempted God by saying, if you bow to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And so, the kingdoms of this world are corrupt because they are their king the one spiritually kind of guiding them is the devil so but all, throughout all this time God had a plan and he had his remnant he had his people and he called a nation to be his own to be a light to the world to uh, to spread the truth and the kingdoms of this world would hate God's people because the people of this world, the kingdoms of this world who are run by the devil hate what is righteous, they hate light, they hate true light, they say they have the real light, you know, but anyway, we'll talk about that after this song that I'm going to play by a Christian heavy metal band called White Cross. Now this is a softer song. Um, and this is a song called In the Kingdom. Saw the headlines just the other day Said the walls coming down Said the peace is just a breath away One world, one voice, one happy family what the world believes I read my Bible just the other day said the kingdom's coming down 
Jesus said the kingdom is just a prayer away. One Lord, one God, one faith eternally. Yeah, that's what the church believes. We're alive, we are strong. We're a nation, we belong. Let us all stand together in the kingdom. No more darkness, no more night. We are children of Once again, that is In the Kingdom by White Cross. Check them out if you like that song. Uh, most of their songs are heavier, but um, I really enjoy that song. And I think it's, you know, obviously it's connected to this topic. So, God's kingdom. So we've been talking about the kingdoms of this world and how Satan is in control of or has the power and authority over uh, the kingdoms of this world. But ultimately, God is in control, and he has his own people, his own remnant. And you go back to Genesis, and you see how there was Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, and then Adam and Eve had another son named Seth. And then the, there's the genealogies, I think, in Genesis chapters 4 and 5. Uh, and it, it gives the genealogies of Cain, 
but in the genealogies of Seth, and it doesn't talk about all of them in, you know, very much, but in a few of them it talks about how they were godly people, like Enoch walked with God and then God took him. And, um, but I don't know about all of them in this genealogy, but it leads up to Noah, who, by the time you get to Noah, the only righteous on the earth were Noah and his family. And so there tends to be, because we are flesh and we have a sin nature, it seems that the majority of people fall, you know, obviously in sin, but very few people find God or want to find God. And so God made a new covenant afterwards. And Noah, who had three sons, it was through Shem, there was Shem, Ham, and Japheth, that God's promises uh, would be fulfilled. Now, ultimately, the promise was that these this was the bloodline going all the way back to Seth's line and through Noah and then through his son Shem that the Messiah would come. And through Shem's line, we come to a man named Abraham, or he was originally called Abram. And I'm going to read some of Genesis chapter 15 here. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will thou you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Uh, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number of stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall you be your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Uh, notice that verse there. And he believed the Lord, and he, which is talking about God, counted it to him, Abraham, as righteousness. Now remember in John 3.16 it says, If you believe, uh, those who believe will not perish but have everlasting life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And so going back to the beginning, it was through belief, through faith in God that we become his people. But he's saying that he will, through his offspring, will be many. And more obviously, you know, he had a son named uh, Isaac, who ended up having a son named Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, we'll talk more about Israel in the next, um, next uh, episode. But I think it's interesting that Israel uh, became God's people. Although you read through the history and they were a stiff-necked people. It says that in the Bible itself. They were stiff-necked people. They often would get into idolatry. They would often um, want to be like the other nations. But then at other times they would repent and come back to God. And, uh, you know, I don't think that this is much different than, say, the church. And I'll get into that. But through Israel... Now this is a national, a, you know, a, a national uh, nation, <laughs> a, a secular or a worldly nation that God helped put together, and you see, you know, Moses putting, you know, out the law and everything, and and what God want, how God wants them to live, and set, setting them apart from the worldly systems. And uh, but mainly, I would say that they were the people that would bring the Messiah. That through them, through their bloodline, the Messiah Jesus was born. Now, ultimately, God or, or Jesus will bring a His kingdom on earth, the millennial kingdom, as it as we saw in the statue, that the stone would break the entire statue, the kingdoms of this world, right? Um, but the first coming, his main objective was to, to be the savior of the world by laying his life down. And it says that he died for our sins. You know, that 
because we are all sinners. And, you know, we talked about, I think, in a previous one about the lamb sacrifice. And that in John chapter 1, Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, so that's what he came to do. He took our sin upon himself and anyone who believes in him for salvation you know, so shall be saved. If we trust in our own works, we will fall short. But if we trust in his payment for our sins, we will be saved. And um, this is the gospel. The gospel is that we are all sinners, but Jesus uh, paid the penalty for our sins. If you believe on him, you shall be saved. Now, when Jesus was crucified, the disciples themselves were kind of you know in a bad place because they were expecting Jesus to bring you know the kingdom then you know in power and they were they thought they would be a part of it and uh, now after Jesus is raised, raised from the dead uh, there were others that had seen him but the disciples hadn't seen him yet and they still didn't believe um, that he had risen from the dead they were still in sorrow, and they were kind of wondering if they had followed the wrong person. They are probably <laughs> not sure. Uh, but I'm going to read Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 14. It says, Afterward he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven themselves, the eleven disciples, because one of them was Judas, who had killed himself. As they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their ha hands and they will drink and any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then Jesus... Uh, and so the gospel, he's telling them to preach it to all nations. And uh, it's very interesting because when you think about kingdoms, uh, you know, obviously... The church is a kingdom, but it's not a kingdom in, in the way of the world. You know, there's a, a ver verse, and I'm not going to look it up now, that says our, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, you know, spiritual darkness. And also, it talks about the armor of God, you know, the, the uh, having the helmet of salvation, the uh, shield of faith, the belt of truth, and all of that stuff. And um, so we do not fight with real weapons, you know, physical weapons, uh, as a church. We, we fight spiritually. And uh, thinking about the first few centuries of the church, especially, and still to this very day, um, it ha it's supernatural that the church exists and has become as big as it has now if you think about it the first in the first century the jewish people themselves were killing christians because they worshiped a man that they didn't believe was god but the church believed was god and they believed this was a heresy and um, and then the Romans persecuted Christians because they would not bow down to the emperor, emperor. And so for almost 400 years, the Romans persecuted Christians. And yet Christianity continued to grow through all of that. And to this day, you know, you look at China and Christianity continues to grow in China and the Middle East and Africa and all of these nations where it's illegal so why is it continuing to grow? Well, God is behind it all. You know, Satan tries his best, but obviously God is more powerful than Satan. So without even... Now, people are going to talk about the Crusaders, but, um, you know, saying that, well, that, that was the church and they took up arms. Well, I, I think that was apostasy, honestly. I don't think that was right. I don't, I don't even think the Roman Catholic Church was ever set up by God. 
I, you know, I think, and I think, have I talked about, yeah, I have. <laughs> um, so I've already talked talked about that in a previous episode, but um, the point is that God's people has the power of, of God, right? You think of David. A lot of people know the story of David and Goliath and how these Philistines, the, these people that were giants, you know, had come against Israel and the, most Israel people were afraid of them. And by any natural reasoning, there's no way they could have beaten the Philistines. But David, who was just a shepherd boy, believed in God, that God would help deliver the Philistines to them. And he faced Goliath, Goliath the giant, one-on-one -on -one and, and was victorious because he believed God would be with him. And he was. Now, that was a physical battle, right? But that's kind of an example of how God's um, kingdom survives supernaturally at times and the church which has been you know historically very um, non-confrontational doesn't take up arms um, for the most the true church doesn't take up arms and yet the world hates it and it continues to to grow and the church um, has reached in Matthew 24 I'm going to read this real quick uh, Matthew 24 is talking about the end. Jesus is talking about the last days, but it's related to what we're talking about now. Um, in uh, verse 7, it says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence, earthquakes in various places, all these but the beginning of birth pangs. So it's talking about the kingdoms of this world, you know, fighting each other and all this stuff. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And, they, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. So even within the church, there are these wolves in sheep's clothing, these false prophets that we've discussed, um, you know, many of these movements that claim to be of God, but they're not. And the world itself hates the truth and has persecuted Christians, um, right? Because they are of the devil, or they are led by the devil, I should say. And many false prophets will arise. Uh, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Here we were 2,000 years ago. You know, Christianity had not really, you know, Jesus was bringing the church. It was building, you know, the church hadn't even started yet. It was, Jesus said, was prophesying that the gospel would reach every tribe, tongue, and nation. And here we are today, and it pretty much has. And so the gospel has thrived and has succeeded to reach the whole world. Now, despite the fact that going all the way back to Cain and Abel, Cain representing the evil and one that follows the devil, Abel being the righteous one, and Cain killing his brother, and yet God always had a way of keeping his people helping his people survive and helping his people thrive and grow because he you know it was his plan he replaced Abel with Seth um, and then his bloodline and then there was Noah Noah's family was the only righteous left on earth and he destroyed everybody else and saved Noah and his family right and then uh, Israel who you know, at one time had a lot of power on the earth with King David in, and then his son Solomon. But for the most part, they were in exile <laughs> to other nations. And then the church, which was under much persecution. And even when it hasn't been, the majority of churches have been apostate. And so through all of that, 
the church continued to grow, the true church. And I want to read this and leave you with this in Revelation chapter 11. And this is the good news. Verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their throne, thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time of the dead to be judged. And for the rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. I just want to leave you with this. If you, listen, in this world, there are times where it looks like you are on the wrong side, you are on the losing side. When we have eyes, you know, when we, we look with our own flesh, it seems that it's easy for us to, to think that Christianity is lame, you know, to our culture, um, to the world. You know, we, we are seen as um, idiots. <laughs> We're seen as fools. We get made fun of. Now, not always persecuted. In the United States, there, has, there was a time where Christianity was part of our culture. But um, I think in recent years, it's becoming more and more uh, despised by the world, um, especially if you stand up for truth. Um, and it's, it's becoming, the, the, the big mega churches tend to be getting more woke, so to speak, these days. And if you are a true fundamental Christian, uh, you're becoming more and more hated by the world. And everything that's on television tends to push us in the opposite direction. You know, uh, even our own flesh wants to go the opposite direction. But just know from these verses that we read, and if you believe, that all of these things will eventually, um, the, the kingdoms of this world will be destroyed. And if you want to be on the winning side, even though it doesn't feel like it right now, then the best place to be is in the kingdom of God and in his will. You know, this present suffering is not worthy to be, uh, to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. So just remember that. Stand firm. He who... Uh, what was it in Matthew 24 that he said? He who uh, stands firm till the end, or uh, what was the word there? You know, is able to. Uh, I can't remember the verse right now. <laughs> is able to uh, stand firm till the end shall be saved, right? Through all of the suffering, through all of the uh, persecution. And I believe that a big persecution is coming. You know, the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist, all of that stuff, I believe, that is coming soon. And if it does, which, which I do believe in a post-tribulation rapture, which we'll get more into that later. But I just wanted to say, if it comes to that, you know, hold on to your faith. Just know that even as things are hard in the current times and may get harder, stand on your faith. Do not waver. You know, hang on to your faith. Pray to God. Just know that he will be victorious. Even though there will be times there, you know, even if we don't go through the tribulation in our lifetime or, or if the church is raptured or whatever, there are people right now in China and other countries, uh, Russia and Cuba that are persecuted for their faith. 
and it could happen in the United States, it could happen in Europe, it could happen anywhere. At any time, you know, the world could turn against you in places where you've had freedom. And if it does, that may not be the Great Tribulation, but uh, I just wanted you to know that uh, in church history, that is a common thing. You know, the world hates the truth. So hang on to your faith. Don't ever... Uh, don't ever allow the current things that are happening to destroy your faith and don't walk away. Don't fall away. Don't be one of those that falls away. All right. Thank you all and have a wonderful day. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hendrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 16 and 18. Drive going for instructions.